1: From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, US Postal Service proposes blockchain-based mail-in voting system. Crypto locked in DeFi clocks a record $6 billion. And in our main story, we sit down with Aparna Jew, product director of Cardano to talk Shelly. All coming up in the Decrypt Daily. Yo, what's up, everybody? I hope you had a great weekend. Today is Monday, August 17th, 2020. And you know what? I'm going to get into the crypto prices because I can't wait. I did browse at the crypto prices today, and I saw that Bitcoin popped over $12,000, and I wasn't expecting that. Hello, Bitcoin. Let's go check out those prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 1230 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin. $12,300, Twelve thousand three hundred dollars up five percent since last time we reported this on Friday. Ethereum for forty twenty seven up three percent since last Friday. Litecoin $65.61, up sixteen point two percent. Chainlink eighteen eighty up thirteen point five percent. And XRP thirty two point two cents up eight point five percent across the board. Big gains. Big gains total market cap for all of cryptocurrency is 385.6 billion dollars btc dominance 58.9 percent booyah i think that's a good word today booyah tis the season for older projects to start rolling out their 2.0s and upgrades and new platforms and innovations of their platforms I got a chance to sit down with a partner Jew, product director of Cardano, to tell us about the new Shelley upgrade that decentralizes Cardano. Enjoy this conversation and get excited about the evolutions of blockchain. Aparna, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Matthew. It's good to be here.
1: Shelly just released on the Cardano platform. It's a big innovation to what you guys have been doing. But before we go into all of what you are doing, we have to start at, at the beginning. What was Cardano before Shelly and how did Shelly change the game?
0: You know, that's, uh, that's a great question. And it depends on, on who you ask within the company because there's so many different aspects to Cardano to make this platform um, as sophisticated as, as it's turning out to be. So before Shelley, we really were in a stage called Byron, which was very foundational. And Byron still had things like the ledger r- rules. It had the consensus protocols that we were trying out with Ouroboros, which is the proof of stake consensus protocols. It had other technical areas. However, it was centralized, meaning all the block production, most of that was being done um, by, uh, by IOHK and IHK-controlled um, partners and entities. So Shelley really brings to us a level of decentralization where we're actually letting the world in to run the network, and we're doing that by slowly letting them create the blocks instead of us managing it 100%. It's going to be complete when the community manages it 100%. So the project really started out, obviously, by Charles Hoskinson a few years ago, putting putting out you know like a third generation blockchain type of challenge out there. Meaning, how do we scale? How do we interoperate? How do we build a very secure uh, platform that could be that could survive a very very long time and also be used to build multiple applications on and it's not it's not just too focused on one or two and the vision was really economic identity and inclusion and and, and trying to really be that that uh, financial operating system in place so where are we today with that? So it's a great ambitious vision, and we are tackling each and every one of those things in that blockchain trilemma space by using you know, scientific methods. So everything was started by research. You know, How do we do these things? Like Ouroboros is a great example of that. The proof of stake consensus protocol is now in practice. And so we're going to see the effects of all the research on that, the formal methodology piece, which is a big key in how we translate research speak into requirements that we could actually build and then putting it out there. Now, the one space that product has come in to add to this, you still have to have consumers that are going to eventually use this platform. It is the structure, but there's also going to be a layer on top of it where you have your your developers, your, your holders of, of cryptocurrency, your hopefully B2B enterprises and small to medium businesses be able to use and transact on the system. How do they view blockchain. And that's the piece of product management's coming in to put faces and experiences on top of Shelly. So Shelly doesn't really give you that just yet. It does allow for the infrastructure to be run by all the stake pool operators and for people, wallet holders to be able to delegate their stake so that they can earn rewards on it and um, make, you know, this is really like setting up the infrastructure for small to medium businesses, in, in my opinion.
1: One question I got out of that is way at the beginning though is why was centralization needed in the first place?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So when you think of decentralization, you're thinking of an unknown, con- uncontrolled environment. So when you're doing a lot of testing on performance, on on network metrics, on latency, on how um, how consensus works to actually have nodes agree with each other on what's the what's the verifiable truth here. Um, security considerations. You can't build a system and just throw it out into the world and, you know, let it be decentralized because there will probably be some issues with this. No one's ever done this before. So it had to happen in a manner where we can prove it out ourselves in a controlled environment before we slowly started bringing the community in. And I wouldn't have done it any other way, Um, really, is it gives us a lot more control over fixing any critical issues or even edge cases, anything like that before we put it out into the world.
1: When I am thinking of centralized control for for, our, for our businesses, me personally, I am for that. I I think that you know you need a centralized control to maybe be able to develop and uh, you make sure your product is proper before you put it out in the world because we know crypto mistakes when they do happen they're very costly. Um, but if you were coming from like a Bitcoin maximalist sort of idea, and they said. You know, well, Satoshi didn't. You know, have a centralized first. What would you say to that?
0: It's a, it's a different model. Even Like proof of work is is very different from how we're setting up Cardano and proof of stake. So, if you had to go centralized with proof of stake, it, the the consensus model doesn't really operate in that manner, right? Because you're you're actually you're you're doing consensus based on stake distributions. And so, if we had a centralized control, then we make all the decisions on, and a very few set of people make all the decisions for verifying the blocks. And then the true nature of blockchain, which is, which is to have immutable, verifiable data that can't really be attacked, and um, and the threat models around that kind of gets compromised a little bit, right? So, I think proof of stake, for especially for proof of stake, you really do need a distributed, a highly distributed. Um, ecosystem for it to shine through.
1: With this development, we know that F2.0 is on the rise. They're doing a lot of testing themselves. What is the differentiation between what Shelly is putting out there to the crypto space, what uh, and these other platforms are putting out to the crypto space? Not Ethereum in general, but just overall, what is the differentiation?
0: Yeah, So the, so our differentiation, our value proposition really sits in the methodology in which we go about it. Everything. The the point is, it's got to be robust. So we've said it. We you know, and, and Charles has said this to till he's blue in the face. But it's really it starts with that research. That's why we have a huge scientific community as a part of of IOHK, a part of our company, is because a lot of what we do they prove out first mathematically and from a research angle before we even implement it or think to implement it in the product in, in terms of the foundation. That is that to me when I look at the space because I came in as an outsider as well from into the space. If I were a legit. Um, business or a company that's looking to decentralize because it's going to reduce infrastructure and help my bottom line and all of the other things, I'm going to look for a project that shows me that the code is really robust, that the foundation has really been thought through and vetted through. And uh, I can actually build on it knowing that my application, and my data and everything is going to be pretty safe. So I, I really believe that's where we differentiate ourselves Um, in general. Now, the second layer of differentiation, I mean, there's lots of technical areas, but I really feel that all projects are are doing something well. We're all out there trying to push through the whole decentralized model for solutions and rightfully or wrongfully like some there's going to be an adoption curve here yeah in some cases centralized solutions are absolutely okay and they will be but however they do provide a, a problem you're going to have to layer in solutions around it to protect your information and your data and it's going to cost you when when things don't go right in that arena a decentralized model doesn't doesn't by nature allow for that. So I feel like all projects are still doing well, whether it is a private network um, with a distributed model for an enterprise or whether it's full public, decentralized, you know, doing smart contracts like ETH or, or some of the others. I feel like we're all going in the same direction where it's an education
1: I think this is a great transition to how this is going to push the space forward. This has been talked about for a long time. It's released. I I think that everybody's curious to, to see where is not only how is it going to push the space forward for other platforms to try to either catch up or innovate over or around or create their own differentiations, but also what you can envision to be done with the platform now.
0: Yeah, and that's a great question. So that's the part I love is, is the adoption and the usability, utility of it at the end of the day. So it's a lot of fun putting in the, the basics and the foundations of a platform, building out like the consensus, building out the network stack, building out the layers underneath that are going to hold everything together. That's, that's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of fun for techn- technology. It's a lot of fun for the community to know that we're building a really good base here but where my where i really get excited the utility of this platform when you get out of the the heads of just the development team so we obviously with cardano the roadmap is you had byron which was that centralized like i said first step and then you have Shelly, which is really getting us to staking, creating small businesses, and finally decentralization. So it's getting us to that level where this can be run. And right now, actually, we're a thousand stake pools already, and we launched them um, July 29th, and uh, they produced their first blocks last night. So the decentralization is already started, and that's so so exciting for us. So we had um, one of our stake pools. Uh, actually, we've got multiple, but our first stake pool went went and produced the block last night, and it was called One Percent. So congratulations to them. What I was saying is the next. Next step on top of that is okay, so that's great, we have all of this, but then what is the utility? Utility is contracting, smart contracting. Now I want to be able to do something with the blockchain, and then utility is also I'd like to govern this, like this is a decentralized solution. So if I was going to a B2B and trying to sell this, the first thing I'm going to get asked is, Well, then what if I, what if there's an improvement? Like who's going to manage all of this stuff? Always there, do my IT department manage it? What's going to happen here? Th- those are the two areas we're focused on next governance where we can get to a level where the community can govern and and enhance the product and the protocol. And then two is smart contracts. How do we build that layer? And it's not how, we are building a layer on making it multi-asset. And um, putting um, uh, smart contract foundations and application frameworks in for developers and uh, financial engineers and people who need smart contracts to take it forward.
1: A totally unrelated question. DeFi is popping off in the crypto space right now. It's probably the hot topic because well, because of those crypto gains. What are you most excited about in the crypto space these days?
0: What am I most excited about? Well, actually, you know, I I, I like the whole stablecoin um space as well i just feel that it gives a lot of utility to to adoption actually because people aren't going mm. to be scared of the coin when it's backed by something that they that they find useful i feel like it's going to get us into markets that we didn't really think about before and it'll get people who don't really who think crypto is a bad word or doesn't really don't really understand it, it i think it gives them a little leg into well how do i get involved it will, it will provide that. Yet to be seen, but I'm I'm kind of excited where that goes.
1: Stable coins, I, I you know I think that is a, an amazing answer. I've, I'm really excited about those as well. Uh, but it seems as though everybody's making their own proprietary stable coin these days, and it almost seems like unless there's an exchange or a way to swap those stable coins to buy the other cryptocurrencies or to transact or to kind of um, you know get involved with a, a certain ecosystem, you are kind of you know pigeonholed into a certain. Uh, into a certain ecosystem kind of like, you know, your Apple connector on your iPhone, you have to use an iPhone charger. You just can't use a USB uh, C or anything. Uh, Do you, do you feel that that's the case? Do you think that we need all these stable coins?
0: Not not really. I think it's kind of a race to the top or what is the Oklahoma rush to for land or it's kind of like that at this point, because everybody sees the potentials for different reasons for it. So everybody's out there trying to get a piece in the pie on it. Um, Will that, methodology work, it, it may, I mean, you and you may end up some, some rising to the top and staying and some not really working out. Um, it may because this whole space is kind of a land grab space, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, if we can just get a few, if, if we like focus on what are the key problems we need to solve? And what can stablecoin be used for, for, for those purposes? Um, and if we kind of focus in on get some kind of standards around it, I, I think that'll go a long way.
1: Right on. Aparna, thank you very much for your time.
0: Yeah, thanks, Matthew. It was good to speak with you.
1: In other news, the United States Postal Service proposes blockchain-based mail-in voting system. Here to talk about it is Managing Editor, Mr. Stephen Graves. Stephen, welcome back to the show.
2: Great to be here.
1: There's a lot of talk in the United States right now about the United States Postal Service, Sorting machines are being taken out of post offices, and it's going to slow down mail. There's been cuts. There's been a new post office general put into place. A lot of things are going on, and we're all talking about voting when it comes to the mail. This is where the big concern is, how it's going to impact our elections. The Crypt put out an article the other day entitled, U.S. Postal Service Proposes Blockchain Based mail-in voting system. Can you tell me about this?
2: Yeah, sure thing. So yeah, as you said, what's happening is that, you know, postal services in the news at the moment, because there's these drastic cost-cutting measures that have been put in place, and they could impact on mail-in voting for the presidential election. Amidst all of this, people's attention has been drawn to a USPS patent that was actually filed back in February, but it talks about vote-by-mail systems that could be secured by blockchain. Right, right on. So how would that actually work? A few ideas in the patent, but w- one of them is that voters would receive like a paper ballot with a with a readable code like a qr code and what you do is you scan the code with your smartphone you verify your id and then you cast your ballot digitally and uh what that means the vote is anonymous because the id is separated from the actual vote but the vote itself is stored on a blockchain which has all the advantage of trust and transparency and it can be audited and you know it's it's secure and all that sort of thing
1: so i just want to clarify when you say patent you're talking about a patent correct Yes, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The, The British speak. I just want to make sure the U.S. audience knows what we're talking about here.
2: Tomato, tomato.
1: If they have this patent, patent tomato-tomato uh, available, uh, can can we just start this? I mean, that sounds like a good solution.
2: Unfortunately not, because it's basically just um, chucking around ideas for how to use blockchain to support voting. So there's no way it would be ready in time for something of the scale of the presidential election, which is only, you know, mere months out now at this point. But it could be used for future elections.
1: You know, one thing when it comes to voting on the blockchain, everybody talks about TPS or transactions per second. If you have a country like the United States, which is 330 million population, Voting population can be upwards into the 200 millions if everybody votes. Can the blockchain actually handle this?
2: Well, I mean, you'd have to implement some sort of scaling solutions to use it on that scale. And basically, that's why a lot of the sort of experiments with with blockchain voting have been quite small scale. So, I mean, there was one back in May where like the Arizona State Republican Party Convention, they used a voting uh, blockchain voting platform called Votes. Uh, with a Z or Z, tomato, tomato, um, to submit ballots. (laughs) And they were forced online because of the coronavirus. But that was like 1,000 people at an online convention. So we're we're not really at a point where you can actually use blockchain voting for massive national votes. I mean, apart from anything else, you've got to prove that the technology works on a small scale. Then you've got to educate voters who are naturally going to be suspicious of electronic voting. And you've got to explain basically the concept of blockchain to them. It's like, why is this secure? Why is this trustworthy? Why is this anonymous? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how do you preserve the privacy of the vote? So mm-hmm. there's, there's a whole raft of issues there.
1: Stephen, I appreciate you coming on and telling us about this.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: The amount of crypto locked in smart contracts in DeFi is just growing and growing. Just a couple of weeks ago, we reported it hit 3 billion. Then it hit 4 billion. Then it hit 5. And then it added another $1 billion into DeFi since last Friday defi refers to decentralized finance by the way for everybody and look we were wondering if it was going to hit five billion dollars by the end of the year locked away in smart contracts but no it hit that it exceeded that we're in august this ain't even the end of the year what can we predict for the future of defi guys email me matthew aaron at decryptmedia.com let me know are we thinking 10 billion by the end of the year 20 billion 100 billion. Let me know. Email me. And finally, only in the crypto space can an anti-mean joke coin backfire into a 1.2 million dollar meme coin. DeFi product lead at Consensus Jordan Leo put a joke on Twitter advertising a phony project that could allow users to spin up a new DeFi project in as little as five minutes. But just hours later, some had created a meme coin based on his joke. The meme coin, which peaked at a daily trading volume of 1. Wait. This is daily trading volume of 1.2 million is insane. Things are about to get crazy, but to be honest, I don't think this is the craziest idea. My personal opinion, people make memes all the time. There has to be a way for people to get credit. Some of these memes go viral, billions and billions and billions of times that memes have been passed around. And the creator, the person who created the original concept, never gets credited. We don't even know who created some of these memes that just go around and that we use as ways to express what we are experiencing, what we're feeling at a certain point in time. Why can't we have that on the blockchain? Why can't we have an NFT of memes to make sure that people get credited and maybe maybe get paid a little bit for those billions of shares to be perfectly honest with you i am not going to spend a lot of time looking into meme coin that just popped off as a joke probably doesn't have no idea of what is going on with this coin but i will say that if this coin is an nft of memes or it has a way to tokenize or put a signature to who creates memes on it could be a damn good idea meme coin you are in my radar with an ROI already of 35% since its creation. $12.35, all-time high, 1968, with 28,000 meme tokens in circulation, with a total supply of 28,000 memes. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at the Decrypt Daily, and send me an email, a comment, anything you like. If you want to come on the show and wrap out, Matthew Aaron at TheCryptMedia.com. And please, for the sake of all of crypto, leave us a rating, five stars, and a comment, very nice, so people can find us on the SEO of Apple Podcasts. This is how it works. More stars, more comments, the more popular we are, so people can find crypto news. We'll see you tomorrow. Happy hodling.